Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. It's just a thought, it's just a thought, it's just my opinion. It's just a thought, it's just a thought. Get out your feelings, it's just a thought, it's just a thought. It's my opinion, it's just a thought, it's just a thought. Get out your feelings, it's just What's up, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving. It's your girl, Sheree Nicole, host of Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole. Welcome, welcome to another episode we're still in season four, episode 96. We will be 100 episodes in very, very soon. I'm so excited. And I'm also very excited about being able to bring you guys a show today. Even though it is the holiday, it's a great time to take a listen, maybe on your drive to or from your place of feasting today or throughout some of your downtime during this holiday weekend. But uh, I want to jump right in with you guys because it's a special time of year and I felt like this was a very important conversation to bring to your attention during this particular season. If you don't know, now you know that November is National Adoption Month and Deborah O. Farmer is a passionate adoption advocate and author of the memoir, My Journey to Joshua, which we are going to talk all about. Through her advocacy work, she aims to dispel myths surrounding adoption and foster care, fostering understanding and support for adoptive families. Now, Deborah's personal journey and commitment to challenging misconceptions have made her a sought-after voice in the adoption community and beyond. And I'm so glad that I was able to seek after her, and I found her here in studio. <laughs> Deborah, my fellow Chi-Town sister, yes. how are you doing? Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm doing great. Good. Happy good. to be here. Good. Now, before we cut the cut the mics on everything, we were talking about our Chicago roots and yep. and us both moving to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You've been here a few years now. What say you to the vibes and how being here has really kind of changed your life in some ways? Sure. Um, I will say I'm going to start with the last part. Yeah. How has my <laughs> life changed since being here? Yeah. Um, I have slowed down. Mm. Like, you know, I worked in television in Chicago, you know, lived in the inner city. Yeah. I have really understood from being here how you can just slow down. It's not that serious. Mm. And that has really saved me, especially has... during the time of COVID when it was yeah, quiet yeah, yeah. and, you know, you're settled. So how is slowing down kind of trickled into motherhood and things in your personal life as well? Yeah. So it has allowed me to be more intentional with my mothering. You know, when you are, you know, busy with your career, I'm very social. I'm an extra extrovert. (laughs) And so being able to balance all that out, um, slowing down has allowed me to be more thoughtful about my mothering process with Mm -hmm. my son and being um, not that I wasn't available, not that I was absent, but more present. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we get into your personal story as it relates to adoption, can you can you let everybody know the difference between adoption and, and fostering? Mm-hmm. Because I know there is a difference, and I think sometimes we kind of mesh yeah. the two together. Absolutely, and that is partly why you know I'm strongly advocating to educate. Yeah, because I think that is part of the problem. People have a misunderstanding, and so foster care. The objective is to reunite the child with their bio family. Mm. So you're basically a stand-in to help them get whatever situation corrected. Okay. Okay. And so when you look at foster care, um, it can be a temporary situation. In my case, thankfully, it turned into a long, long-term situation. <laughs> um, but when it comes to adoption, that's more permanent. And there are different ways that you can adopt. You can actually adopt through foster care. Mm. M- many people don't know that. Um, You also can adopt through private adoption. Um, That is an expense, you know, and some people choose to either adopt through private, whether it be in the states. Um, Most people tend to go out of the state 
to do that um, because of it's you know the cost that's associated with it. Yeah. Um, but fostering again is just really uh, the thought to reunite the child with the bio family. I love that. So you mentioned just a moment ago mm-hmm. your foster situation turned into an adoption one, which yeah. I think is very cool. For those who are unfamiliar with your story, how did that how did that happen for yeah. you? Yeah. You know, it's, it was all a faith move. I went into um, the understanding of fostering in the '90s. I was actually um, working in television in Chicago. And a good friend of mine worked for a social service agency. And so I reached out like, hey, you know, I want a mentor. How can you connect me? And he connected me with a young lady that was in foster care. Wow. And she was about seven years old at the time. And she's 33 now. And we're still in each other's lives. I love that. And so it was really to be just a one year, just basically helping her with her homework. But in that time, I realized that she was being bounced around from foster home to foster home. Mm. And so me being the empath that I am, I was like, I'm going to, you know, foster her. Yeah. I was just in my 20s. My family, you know, edged me not to do that, urged me not to do that because of my youth. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that, I knew in the 90s that this is what I wanted to do. Wow. So when I set out to actually, um, you know, foster my son, I got my foster care license. That is part of the process. You have to go through a social service agency to get your foster care license. And then uh, he was a newborn. Which wow. rarely happens. Wow. And I was going into it blindly, actually, not knowing that I could foster through, um, adopt through foster care. Um, it worked out that way because, um, sadly, um, his bio mind passed away, mm. which um, he had other siblings that were in the system that were uh, um, fostered with another family. Mm-hmm. And then the bio dad's rights were terminated. So wow. I was able to adopt him. That was honestly my objective. I knew when God placed this baby in my home, I wasn't giving this baby back. Like, I'm like, no, this is going to be my child forever. And I had friends that were like, no, that's not really not how that works. But it did work out in my favor. Okay, there's a couple of things that you said in here that I think apply not only with your particular situation, but just in life in general. You talked about being in your 20s mm-hmm. and really feeling the pull on your life, God saying, hey, this is your assignment. This is I want you to function in this space. Despite what your family was saying, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Go on down the line. You're saying, no, this is my son. He, he's not going anywhere. He's he going to be my son forever. He's not going back. And no, He's not <laughs> going back to the foster right. care. Me and him going to turn up forever. And yes. people telling you, friends telling you. I'm sure sometimes that might hurt your feelings. Like, yeah. that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. That's not how it goes. Can you speak to the importance of staying very grounded in your assignment despite what people, some of which may be extremely close to you, may be saying? Oh, my God. This, like, is I can start crying because I will tell you I did not realize it at that time that this was my assignment. Mm. You know, I am a natural nurturer. You know, since a child playing house with my little cousin, you know, my grandmother would say, let Nikki be the mama. And I said, well, it's going to be two mamas, you know. And so I would never let that go. I knew yeah. that I wanted to be a mother. Um, as it relates to the process, it just folded out the way that it did. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, I didn't realize until just recently, maybe the last maybe three or four years, that mm. this is my assignment. Wow, wow. Again, and, and more so from the perspective, I'm finding that, um, which is really the uh, reason for doing this, that black women in particular, this that's who I'm barking at and that's who I'm agitating, yeah, yeah, yeah. is we are putting our happiness on hold. Mm. And so in that, it, it's a natural desire to mother. Yes. And so in that, if you don't meet your love of your life, you're just going to wait. And I will tell you, I did that. So I got married later in life. Mm-hmm. Again, I was going through the foster care process as a single woman, okay? I then get married, 
So then my then husband gets his foster care license and then we get placed. Yeah. We then consciously uncouple. Okay. I ended up where I started. Wow. Right. And so think about that. Here it is me trying to make plans. Right. Right. Come on. God's laughing. He's like, I got this. Stop. This is not what I want you to do. And so it really just took me a couple, three years ago to realize that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I had so many of my female friends, my peers that were like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to do that. And they still haven't. Why? Mm. Fear. Fear. And faith and fear cannot reside in the same space. Absolutely, It can't. Love and fear cannot reside in the same space. And what is faith? Love. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Deborah was going to preach today, but- <laughs> I'm, You know, I have no problem with allowing people's oil to flow. I, I have a good time with that. <laughs> I do want to ask you about, and there may not necessarily be as many as people may perceive, Mm -hmm. but when you are, it could be adoption or fostering, when you are a a single person trying to do that, Mm -hmm. do you come up against a level of challenge that may not necessarily be the case for someone who is partnered with somebody else or, or people that are married? No. So when I went through the process again remember I went through as a single woman yes and so when I went got my foster care license there were same gender loving people in the class there Mm -hmm. were um empty nesters in the class there Mm -hmm. were single women single men Mm -hmm. in the class and so they they don't say oh we're just going to provide you a baby because you have a two-parent household no so there's no barriers I think the barriers that we're putting in place as black women are barriers that we're creating Mm. When you have this conversation mm-hmm. with other black women, mm-hmm. some who may have interest and others who are like, yeah, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. What are some of the the core kind of parts of your conversation? Sure. Or, or and, and are there some misconceptions kind of that even now you'd yeah. like to debunk as we speak? Sure. And so I think the one piece is there's a cost associated to it with mm. fostering. And so if you think about it, and we're grateful as a black woman, we're doing well, we're successful, yeah. we're, you know, we got that bag, if you want to say, <laughs> but then we're not focused on the other bag, which is the fertility bag, right? Yeah. We're given a certain amount of eggs at birth, mm-hmm. and the older you get, you know, and so we don't have that conversation, right? Yeah. And so in that, I start with, let me talk about your money, because that's what you're concerned with. Oh, it's going to be expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Fostering could cost anywhere from $0 to $1,200. Wait a minute. Okay. Hold on a minute. $0 to $1,200. What? And so in that, um, that's one of the points that I push. Like, it's not a money issue. What is it? Right? Yeah. And then it's a time issue, right? Well, you got a village. You know, you, you, you're traveling. I'm sure people are um, checking for you. So it's not yeah. like you don't have anyone that can help you and support you through the process. Yeah. And so um, I think the other part is it's really the weight, Right. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for Prince Charming to fall out the sky. And I'm not against that because I am all for black love. I'm knowing God's going to send me another one. Okay, now it's hard. It's it's hard. Let me tell you something. We got to be real. No, no, no. For real. He ain't falling from the sky. He's not falling from the sky. Not to be negative. He's out there for all of us who are believing God. Yeah. But he's not going to just fall into it from the sky. He's not. And so in that, you're just going to delay your happiness. Mm. And not to mention I have girlfriends that I've been married for years. And just because the husband's in the home does not mean he's helpful. Can you say it one more time? And this is also not an attack on the men. No. But I just like the way you said it. Yeah, just because the husband's in the home does not mean he's helpful. And this, again, to your point, is not a diss at our brothers because I love my brother. For sure. But to that point, that we have this fairy tale in our head that it's supposed to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to loving a child, 
it should look the way you want it to look. Yeah. And so, and I will tell you the other point that I push to is that it's the gift, which is the child, and you're the receiver of the gift. So think about that. You're getting something too. And oftentimes we're delaying that. Like, well, we're suffering hard, you know, taking care of our our families. You know, we're both in the same industry. We have the being Mary Jane complex, Mm -hmm. you know, taking care of everybody. But what about you? Right. What about you? And so I, I am here to strongly advocate that we push past the fear, live in a space of love because yeah. they cannot reside in the same space. Yeah. Amen to that. Before I get into your book, Journey to Joshua, mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, what were you most excited about bringing to the table as a mom? Sure. Um, the opportunity for me, and that's what I talk about in the book, is to learn love. Hmm. You know, my grandmother was old school. You know, she had eight children, and I. she's my favorite person. She's since passed, but she had this mantra, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> and I don't think that that was factual for me. Yeah, it may yeah. have worked in their times, but it didn't work yeah. in my time. And so in that, I can say from, you know, continuous relationships that I really know love, and yeah. I have come to know love through my son. Mm. I have come to know what love looks like. It's unconditional. It's sacrificial, all those things. And so um, that has been a really um, important piece for me, too, to share, that you get love and you give Mm. it. I love that. So let's talk about this book of yours, Journey to Joshua. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have great stories and things that happen in their lives that never, you know, puts them in a position where they either want to or can put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. You made a decision that you're going to let people know about your amazing story. What 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 kind of pushed you to say, I'm going to I'm going to write a book about this. Yeah, it was really the process unfolding in real time. Okay. Um I would have cases where and this real life happened. You're from Chicago, so you may know yeah. Mother Josephine Wade. Yes, restaurant yes, on 79th yes. Street. I'm in the restaurant with Mother Wade and w- with my baby and someone comes in and says, "Whose baby is that?" I said, what's my baby? And she said, well, I didn't see you pregnant. Mm. And so, I mean, literally clutch your pearls. I'm like, tears falling. Mother Wade, my, she loves me. She went for ham, went ham on this lady. <laughs> but to that point, it was really just the thought that she couldn't even think beyond the fact yeah. that there was another way. Mm. Right? There's another way. There's several ways to skin a cat. And so, from I was just, you know, notating things, all my experiences throughout the yeah. time. And not just women coming to me. This was another uh, scenario, too. Not just women saying, oh, my God, I've always wanted to do that. I would have my friend's husbands come to me and say, could you talk to my wife? Wow. I want to adopt. We can't have children. Could you help? And and I'm like, come on. And so being the giver that I am, I'm like, this is not about me. Yeah. This is for me to share with others. And so that's really what prompted me to, to do the book. Wow. We know writing can be very cathartic for mm-hmm. all of us. Um, biggest glow you you gleaned from writing this book mm-hmm. and the biggest grow, biggest area you think that you want to improve in. Um, this realizing that I didn't fully know love, mm-hmm. um, just relational love. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think the biggest glow is just the response I've gotten from people hmm. and from men. Like a lot of men like that. That's that. good. I love that. I love that. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. And so that was, I think, the biggest glow. So can you speak to kind of the duality that you kind of were in where you're still trying to work through understanding love, being able to have the capacity to truly receive it and give it, mm-hmm. but also as a mom, having to give it unconditionally mm-hmm. to Joshua? Yeah. Um. And, and so I, it's not lost that I never had loving relationships I did. Mm-hmm. I think, again, it was just the narrative that yeah. was set um, and then just – 
you know, the rigid Gemini that I am. We just move on. Keep it moving, right? <laughs> and so just settling in that, um, what love is patient. And so yeah. with that, I have to be patient with my son. Yeah. And so those are things that I've learned through. And then the other part, too, is it's okay if you make mistakes. Love is love. Like, yeah. it shouldn't be because you were perfect. And when I tell you my son Joshua loves me and all my imperfections, and early on, he's seven now, probably one or two years old, he would literally put his hand on my chest and say, I love your heart. Oh, my God. Like God I'm sent him to me to say that to me. Ain't no man saying that to you, girl. Oh stop. Like, literally put his hand on my heart and say, Mommy, I love your heart. Mm. That was God speaking through him. Yeah. Now I'm trying to gather myself. Let yeah. me go. I'm yeah. going to call my nephew today. Yeah. Maybe he can put his hand on my heart <laughs> and tell me it's good. I want to talk about... Um, you know, statistics, and you don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily be super specific, sure. but I know that there are disparities when we talk about black kids mm-hmm. and whether it be foster care or adoption. You know, what are some of the things that you've learned over the course of your own journey that you'd like to share with people who may still be apprehensive with that keep, as they keep that in mind? Sure. So I will say in about, about 2019, there were over 400,000 kids in the United States in foster care. Hmm. We're in 2023 now, and it's about close to five hundred thousand kids in foster care. Wow. The number continues to increase. So that in itself says that there's a need for us to provide the love, the service for a child yeah. in need. Um, men, when we look at it, uh, do adopt and foster children. I mean, I think that's even a misconception yeah. too. So in as much as I'm preaching to women, there, there are single men that do this as well. Yeah. Um, the As you look at like the racial breakdown, there are more non-black children in foster care than black children. So Mm. you would think that it's more of us, but it's not. Um, I think we're just more aware because we are, you know, whether we go through the faith-based community talking about it, pounding the pavement, um, there may be more ads that may show, you know, black children, but we are not um, leading the numbers as it relates to foster care. Um, There are more boys in foster care than girls, about 51 to 49. And then when you look at um, the demo and how long they stay in foster care, kids typically stay in foster care about 20, 19 to 20 months. Mm, okay. So imagine that, right? So if you, again, they're birthed and then they go right into the system, yeah. they may get placed into a home around the age of two. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, and then another area, too, to focus in on is when you think about um, the age I think it's 6 to 12. There are more kids in foster care in that age group. Gotcha. 6 to 12. And sadly, those are the ages that people don't want. Right? Mm. And and so, I, for me, honestly, I think it's a lot of this is ego. Yeah. Because um, ego is fear. You know? And yeah. so, in that, you assume that this something's going to be wrong with this child. Yeah. What makes you think that if you have a biological child, you're not going to have issues? Come on now. Right. And so in that, I mean, you have autism awareness campaigns for that reason, because people have children that are, you know, born with autism. And so but they didn't have that thought that when they were pregnant, that that was going to be the case. Right. So why are we pre-producing a story when it comes to Mm. fostering a child? We already at the production line. Like, oh, you know what? The child's going to come out and murder my whole family. Or the child's going to be put back into their original home. We don't know any of that stuff. You're creating unnecessary madness. Mm. Well, you've created a great book, (laughs) Journey to Joshua. (laughs) For those who are interested in Mm -hmm. fostering or or going through the the adoption process, Mm -hmm. for those who might be on the fence, for those who say it's not for me, despite 
kind of the differences in who may look at this book. So what do you want them to walk away? So, so, and I'm glad you asked that because this is not for everyone. And okay. so I'm not out here like, go get a Chanel bag. Right? <laughs> no, this is a lifetime commitment. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there are levels to this, right? Mm-hmm. So fostering is not permanent. Um, but the reason people choose not to do that because the heartstrings, you're going to, yeah. you know, I get it. Um, so you do have that option. You do have adoption as an option. Mm-hmm. There's also CASA, which is the Court Appointed Special Advocates where you can stand in as a legal representative for a child in foster care, mm. right? So, you know what, Deb, hey, yes, my heart, I'm, you know, I want to be a mom, but I don't know if I want to make that commitment. But then you can do that. You have free time, possibly. So you can become court-appointed special advocate. Okay. Um, when I went through the process with Josh, we had to go to court for about a year to get mm. his, term, his rights terminated. And so in that, there was no, he had a legal representative because, of, you know, other kids in the system, but sometimes these kids don't. Gotcha. And so they don't end up in the best situation because they don't have support. So that's another option, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. I have just learned so much today. Yeah, yeah. Whew. There's several ways. There's several ways. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, I really just want us as black women to mm-hmm. not suppress our happy. I love that. We just have to stop. Stop suppressing your happy. And I'm yeah. saying that to myself, too. Y'all know yeah. when I when I push a point forward on this show, I'm speaking and ministering to myself yeah. as well. Deborah, I don't I'm I'm at a loss for words. I am so yeah. grateful that we had this time. I want to make sure that people can support your book, support mm-hmm. the work that you're doing, possibly mm-hmm. partner with you. Mm-hmm. So how can they stay connected with you and how can they sure. get a hold of this book? Sure. Thank you. So um, my journey to Joshua, there's a website that we've created that has lovely photos. You can also buy the book on the website, myjourneytojoshua.com. Okay. You can follow us on all social media platforms. I will tell you this. You can also inbox me. Every time I do an interview, there's someone in my inbox. Mm. Like, can you help me? And so I am your cheerleader, your agitator. So feel free to reach out to me if you want assistance along the way. I am here to help. Um, so, again, you can go to MyJourneyToJoshua.com to get the book. MyJourneyToJoshua.com. Deborah O. Farmer has made my day. Yay! Sometimes, you, you know, y'all know sometimes you have just a, a little bit of a challenging day. <laughs> and you're like, I just need a little, a little boost. She was my boost. Oh, so, yeah. I happy. appreciate it. I know this is not going to be the last time we speak. And I just I just pray God's blessing over all of the work that you're doing because it is much needed. And it's it's absolutely amazing. So thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> happy to be here. I want to thank Deborah Farmer once again for the time, wishing her and her son all the best. And all of you all who may be considering adoption or fostering, be encouraged. I hope this story encouraged you. And for those who weren't considering it, but now you may be. God bless you. And I hope that, you know, in prayer and doing your research that you can get some answers that you are looking for. I am so grateful for you all. I cannot stress it enough. Every person that listens to this podcast, every person that shares the content, you download, you subscribe, you rate the show shows you go on youtube you watch the interviews thank you thank you thank you this show would not still be here i would not still be doing this without you so happy thanksgiving to you and your family i am absolutely grateful that we get to spend some time together every week and i look forward to being able to continue to do that god bless you don't eat too much and if you do don't worry just go to the gym tomorrow like me have a good one guys until next time peace Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole is produced, hosted, and edited by none other than yours truly, me. 
Sheree Nicole. To watch, listen, like, and or subscribe to this episode or previous episodes, you can go to YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Have an amazing week. Talk to you soon. Peace. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.